Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, where you read and hear new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of War Media. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And follow me on social media at that guy Josh Hicks on Instagram and jhicks042 on Twitter. Also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In The Scope podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? You know what time it is. It's the In The Scope show featuring your boy Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer for War Media. And I have a special, special friend of mine because this, this brother, he's been with me from the jump since I became a war guy. From the, he was part of the original crew, former producer of the Dean Davis show, but he is now currently the producer, a podcast producer at NBC Sports Chicago for all your podcasts, Bulls Talk, Blackhawks Talk, you know, Sox talk, you name it. Every sports they cover, he's the one that's producing the shows. And this brother also has experience covering the Bulls, which, you know, because of that, he's just that special. So that being said, shout out to everybody listening and shout out to my guy, Tony Gill. Blue check tone. What's happening with you, man? It's good, Josh. Man, not much chilling, bro. Um, we'll see if I continue to cover the Bulls the way this pandemic is. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> out here. But, you know, we're going to keep working. We're going to keep grinding. So you know how it is. Yeah, most definitely, man. Thanks for coming on the show. As always, you're much appreciated. And of course, your family. So I got to get my guy back on the show, got back on my show to give us the insights where it's necessary. And right now, it's also it's that necessary insight is on the Bulls because the Bulls over the past offseason throughout the super long pandemic, they had a nine month layoff, it seems like. And they've made some pretty serious moves, obviously, from the front office perspective with um, Arturis Karnisavis and Mark Eversley. But we just recently had the draft. And the free agent period is, content, is constantly is continuing right now. And Bulls made some pretty, you know, some pretty interesting moves. Um, starting off with the draft, Patrick Williams, a number four pick in the draft from Florida State. For me, he was the guy that was like, you know, I never heard of him. Um, I didn't know who he, who he was. Um, he just came out of the blue. And you just wondered, okay, is he really worth the fourth, the fourth pick overall in a draft? But you look at his... His, his skill set and from what the Bulls have put out there, what they're looking for, he kind of fits the bill. Uh, what were your thoughts, Tony, when you um when you first heard the news about Patrick Williams coming to the Bulls? And do you think it was ultimately, you know, the best move for the Bulls to make at that at that position? So um, when I first got wind of Patrick Williams being, uh, you know, the possible pick for the Bulls, actually. Um, I was having a couple off-air conversations with a couple people and his name got brought up and I was like, I don't, I mean, okay. But, you, you know, nobody was really doing any background, you know, videos and background checks for Patrick Williams because it's like, you know, ACC six man, you know, at a year use, you know, you want to use a top four pick on that. Uh, but, 
you know, once you start diving in and start looking at the video, uh, you see what the Bulls were, what they were looking for. And what they were looking for at that position was a high IQ player with, you know, a lot of athleticism. And I think that's what they got in, in Patrick Williams. Um, and I mean, they got a, they got a project to work on. This is, this is their project now. Um, when they were hired, they were highly touted as developers. Uh, that was their big thing coming from the places that they came from in Philly uh, and in Denver, they were looked at as developers. So now we get to see if that's true uh, with a physically gifted player in Patrick Williams. Um, I think we're going to see uh, a, a lot of, you know, a, a mixture of playmaking uh, defensive switchability um, and for what they were looking for. I think that was right for them. Uh, again, we live kind of in a culture where we want instant gratification, instant reaction. Like, oh, is this a bad pick? Oh, is this a good pick? We're not going to know until, you know, two or three seasons, you know, down the road if this was, you know, a, a good pick. And by that time, we're there, you know, two or three drafts in with more players. So we won't get to see the full scope, uh, especially how, you know, the season is going to fluctuate and, you know, stuff like that. We, we, we probably won't even see it this season just because how crazy this year is going to be. So I think for them, they think they got a really, really good, solid player. Um, all I can say is we will see. Like I, uh, we did a Bullstock podcast episode and I named it, you know, let our tourists hook. Like, I mean, you brought them in to rebuild this entire thing. And it's going to take time. It's not going to, we're not going to be ready to, you know, talk to Giannis, you know, after this season, like the Bulls aren't there yet. So um, it's going to take time. It's going to take time to see if, you know, he comes out to be a good player. And I think he's going to be a good player. Uh, but now it's just to see like how, how high is his ceiling going to be? That's the biggest question. I think the only way you can find out how high his ceiling is going to be is if you continue to develop the players, like you, like you talked about before, that's what our, Arturis Karnisavisa is known for but at the same time you have to wonder do you think do they are they really taking this direction as a rebuild or should he have made moves to show that okay yeah we're in a big rebuild but we're going to be in a more of a competitive situation um I, and I bring that up because you had new GMs or new presidential operations uh executives come into new teams like Daryl Morey coming into the Sixers uh, Troy Weaver coming into Oklahoma City, and they revamped their roster almost completely to a point where now they're going to be competitive, or at least there's a clear direction of where they're going to go. By the Bulls drafting, you know, Patrick Williams and the signings that they made in free agency, which we'll get into later on this season, later on in the show, I don't really know if there's a clear direction of what the Bulls are trying to do per se, because it's the same roster as last year. Mm -hmm. Don't really know what you got unless you actually put it out there. And the best time to make moves, especially if you're talking about players like maybe Thaddeus Young, who may not get the minutes that he needs. Um, you still got to figure out if Zach Levine is still going to be your number one guy. And if you don't know, and if you know that already, why not see what's out there? If whether if he is, and see what else is out there, to, you know, to get back in return. You know, these type of things are, or these type of thoughts and decisions have been made on, you know, previous teams like Daryl Morey and Troy Weaver, like I mentioned before. But it seems like AK is playing, you know, the waiting, the waiting see game. And I don't know if this is the season where you can do that or quite frankly, he could have made other moves 
to at least bolster up the roster and show that, okay, we're going to be a lot more competitive than this current roster uh, did last year. Like what were your, what, am I crazy to have those type, those type of uh, those thoughts per se? Uh, I don't think so. And I think fans, um, you know, can feel that way uh, that, you know, the, this hasn't been a competitive team for a long time. And I guess maybe some people expected that with the change in regime, getting the old stuff out, putting in the new stuff, that the winning will will start now. Uh, and the, the Bulls aren't in that position. Uh, they're not in that position or how they are viewed around the league. That's not how they're, they're viewed just yet. Uh, and again, like I said before, like this is going to take some time to build it the correct way if that's what Bulls fans want. If you want sustained success, you know, uh, over, you know, a long period of time, it doesn't just happen, you know, within, within a year. Uh, and I think their biggest, I think what people are going to have to get used to, and it's something that I've kind of, at least to this point, grown to like about how Arturis moves is he is a wait and see, and he'll let the play and the people determine what he does. Uh, we saw that with uh, Jim Boylan, for example. People wanted Jim Boylan fired right away. He didn't do that. He's not going to acquiesce to whatever the whims of the fan is, and I respect that uh, from, from a leader. Like, you want a guy that's going to actually make informed and uh, decisions, uh, not just move based off, you know, feelings or anything like that. So he's, every move he's made so far has been calculated. Uh, and, and there's a reason why he's doing it and he's happy to explain. I mean, he hasn't, I mean, he keeps things very close to the, you know, close to the chest. Like we didn't know Patrick Williams was on their board as high as he was, uh, until, you know, maybe a week before, uh, that there was hint that, you know, Patrick was on the draft board, but there's a reason why he does what he does. And he's happy to explain when he's asked, uh, to the media, um, why he's making these moves and what he's seen. And he's been fairly open with how he views this roster. He, he wants to see, he felt coming into this job that this current set of players weren't put in the best position possible to succeed. So how can you view anybody on how they might be or how they might project if you don't know that? So this season, uh, the way he's operated um, during the off season, he wants to let the players determine what he does. If they play well, if they, um, you know, if they fold under under the pressure, he's going to take note of that. And he's going to, and, and the best part about it is he does have time. Like he, Bulls, Michael Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf, they have given the keys to all basketball things to our two auteurs and Mark Eversley. And they have time. There's no time limit, you know, in terms of how, and obviously they want to win, you know, as soon as possible, but it's got to be the right winning. It can't be, you know, a fluke year, you know, you jump into the AFC. Now what do you do? Like you don't want to be stuck. And that's the worst feeling that Bulls fans have felt, you know, over the last five, you know, years is, is the feeling of being stuck. So with our tourists, he's going to take his time. Uh, he's going to evaluate each player as best as he can to know what to do to see if, if they're going to be here for the long haul or are they going to be assets uh, to be used 
for trades uh, to bring in, you know, other pieces. So uh, fans are just going to have to get used used to that way of thinking. It's the proper way to build a, a right and strong organization. And it's not like what Bulls fans have been used to uh, with Gar Foreman and John Pax and these kind of quick fixes of Dwayne Wade, Jabari Parker trying to fix their problems on the way. No, this is this is the right way. It's slow progression. Uh, the Bulls aren't viewed as a powerhouse organization, you know, or market, you know, around the NBA. So they're going to have to build up like a small market team, like a Denver, you know, if you will. Like it didn't take it took Denver a little bit to acquire the talent and develop the talent that they had to now be the second or third best team, you know, in the West. And they're going to be that way for, you know, a, a few years to come. So if, if the Bulls fans want that type of type of success and in, in, in development is going to ha- they're going to have to be patient. The Bulls um, during the draft, or at least throughout the draft process, um, they signed a guard who, you know, he went undrafted in Devin Dotson. Uh, he has a Chicago background, you know, grew, uh, grew up a huge Derrick Rose fan from, and, you know, played from Kansas. And I like his game. I like I liked his game when he was playing in a, when he was playing at Kansas, a very quick guard that can get you to the basket. Um, and also have the opportunity to facilitate an offense, but at that point guard position, that's going to, it's, I think the key this year, especially for Kobe white, because Billy Donovan made it very clear that he's handing him the keys to that starting, that starting position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this key, the key for not just him, Kobe white, but also Devin Dotson, you know, p- p- pending that he's going to be on the roster at the beginning of the season is the idea that you actually have to run an offense. You can't just, they're used to scoring the ball. You know, the, the players that, you, that can score the ball whenever they can at will. You know, they have that scoring gift. But they but at this point in time, especially when you got a Zach Levine in your backcourt who can fill it up whenever and is improving every single year, especially since he's been with the Bulls, you have to wonder, do you really need a need the extra scoring point guard or do you need an actual facilitated point guard? And I think that's one of the biggest things that's going to be benefit that needs to be um, progressive when it comes to both of those guards games. Um, do you think that is a huge component, especially under Billy Donovan's uh, preferred offense, which is ball movement, um, compared to having that constant scoring um, that we so that we were accustomed to seeing at times from Kobe White and potentially seeing from you know Devin Dotson, you know, like bearing he's on the roster. That's funny. I uh, you know Dotson and, and Kobe White they share the same agent, and I was talking to him earlier. Uh, today about uh, both of them. I'm actually working on a piece on Kobe White and to speak to your point, uh, the importance of what Kobe is about to do uh, on basically how this entire roster is viewed. Um, We knew before the draft, the Bulls wanted a playmaker. They wanted to see if they can find somebody that can set the table so that, you know, they can figure out what Laurie looks like, what Wendell Carter looks like. Um, we kind of know what Zach looks like. He's going to get his regardless, but um, somebody's going to need to set the table for him as well. So that's why the Patrick Williams draft was not confusing, but interesting uh, that they didn't go Killian Hayes, at the, who, in my opinion, was the second best you know passer you know in that draft. They went with Patrick Williams, which and with their free agent signing of Garrett Temple, again another non you know point guard playmaker. Okay, that let everyone know that they think or at least they want to try and see if this Kobe White thing can go and to their credit I think we all want to see that I mean when the season started uh, stopped I'm sorry um, 
he was kind of on the roll. Uh, you saw him getting better, uh, but the season ended, uh, unfortunately, and we didn't get a chance to see any progression or growth uh, from that aspect. So, uh, so I talked to his agent about uh, Kobe. Uh, I talked to some other people around uh, Kobe, uh, just asking the questions like, when did when did he start working on his playmaking ability? Because it, it you know, it, he was he is a scoring guard first. He came in the league scoring um, at, from college. Uh, he was in the league scoring. We saw, you know, those high point games where, you know, he's having Ricky Bulls records, you know, for three, three points made and stuff like that. So we know he's got that down packed, but expanding his game to be the, uh, the table setter uh, was going to be a thing uh, for him. If he wanted to be not just Lou Williams, you know, esque or Jamal Crawford, you know, a six man coming off the bench. Like if he wants to be a starter, he's got to be able to see plays before they're there. He's got to be able to make the proper passes. He's got to be able to operate out of pick and roll. And that's something that he worked on as soon as the season ended. I was told that, you know, he went back to North Carolina. He's he worked with, uh, you know, former uh, North Carolina point guard, Kendall Marshall. I don't know if you remember him, but Kendall was very excellent out of the pick and roll. So, he worked with him uh, during during this uh, kind of extended break, uh, and I, I'm going to talk to Kendall about that, you know, in in the coming days. Uh, but it seemed like Kobe took this role seriously, and he said that in his opening press conference with the media this week uh, that he, you know, he wants to be a leader on this team, and he wants to, he needs to be vocal. If you if you want to have the keys, you know, like that, they're giving him every opportunity to do so, and he's got the right coach for it. I mean, he's had multiple all-star point guards uh, with, you know, Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. So he's had a score and he's also had a passer. And also he's got Mo Cheeks there, who's, you know, you can make the argument is one of the best point guards uh, to play in the NBA. So uh, he certainly is going to have the, the environment around him to be that guy. Um, it's, it's hard to score. It, it is. It's hard to score. And he's already got that down pack, but can he make enough plays? He doesn't have to be Chris Paul. Like Chris Paul is an elite once in a generation type passer other than LeBron James. You know, like he, we, I don't think they're asking him to be that. I think what they're asking him is to make the right plays and make the right passes when they're there. Um, they're not going to change him, you know, in terms of who, who he is or anything like that, but they want him to be able to make the right plays when necessary so that he's a, he's a threat, not just with the, uh, putting the ball in the basket, but also feeding everybody else. Well, Kobe White is definitely very vocal because he told me last season uh, when he first got into the league that he was, he said the Bulls making the playoffs. <laughs> he put it out there. So, so he's so he's pretty, you know, confident and vocal in his in, in his skills. And I think he's gonna eventually develop in, into that role very nicely. Uh, especially since he has the tutelage of, you know, like you mentioned, Billy Donovan and Mo Cheeks who have point who have point guard play behind them, mm -hmm. as well as you know, his relationship with Chris Paul. He played on Chris Paul's AAU team growing up. So he knows Chris Paul knows what it's like to work with, you know, guys like Kobe White. Um, and know how to, and he knows how to get to that next level. So he's already making good steps uh, with that. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Tony Gill. Um, transitioning to the free agency component of it, because like you mentioned earlier, the Bulls did side Garrett Temple. And to me, when they side Garrett Temple, as well as Noah Vonley to um, the, that training camp deal, mm -hmm. um, it came to my mind pretty much that, you know, they, like you said, they believe they're set at point guard. They like what they see. They want to see well, what grows from Kobe. But they also want to add more depth. 
to the wing position, which is something the Bulls lacked for the longest, um, especially with the unknowns of Otto Porter Jr. and his injury uh, situations. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't even know if he's going to make it through the season because dude just got caught partying all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> he may be rolling up everywhere. I don't know. You know, we got to figure that situation out. But uh, the fact that, you know, out of Porter is still a question mark. You do have some length with where Patrick Williams could potentially slide in, but getting a guy, getting guys like, you know, Garrett Temple, who is more of a, more has, has a potential of a really good two-way player, you know, spot up shooter, um, make a play defense along the perimeter. Um, what important role do you think those, those additions really made to the Bulls? Aside from the fact that just adding personal depth, um, well, you look at, you know, the two teams where Arturis and Mark came from, you look at Philly and you look at Denver and you look at their, those, those rosters. Um, it's a bunch of dudes around six, seven, like everybody is, is six, 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 five to six, seven, um, very switchable rosters. Um, and then obviously with their two stars on, you know, each team, but generally, they got a roster full of dudes with long arms and that can shoot threes and can switch on defense. Uh, and that's what they went after. It seemed like via free agency uh, going after th- that type of vi- uh, build. Um, and that's something that the Bulls haven't had. They've had a bunch of specialists uh, and they drafted a bunch of specialists and hopefully that they can play on both ends of the court. And that's obviously not how our tourists and Mark want to play. Like they want hi- a bunch of high IQ players that can be very switchable and versatile. They did that with Patrick Williams. I mean, that's what that's what their thinking was, you know, in drafting Patrick Williams is like they want, you know, a roster full of guys that are uh, that can guard multiple positions, not just play defense, that they also can contribute, you know, on the offensive end. That's how they want to play. That's how they want to run a, a organization, um, and that's the modern NBA. That's that's what you know. Look at the Lakers. LeBron can play anywhere. AD can guard multiple. We saw him on James Harden, you know, in in the Houston series. He can guard anybody. KCP he can guard multiple positions. Um, all the look at the Clippers. Like all the more dominant teams, Boston Celtics. They all have that switchability that the Bulls never had. Um, they were lacking in, in the wing department, Chandler Hutchison. I mean, he was there partly of the time, but he was hurt Otto Porter, obviously, you know, has been hurt. Uh, so in order to fix that problem, they, they went directly after that issue in the draft and, uh, via free agency. So, um, when people are like, you know, Garrett Temple, that's it. Like, or Noah Vonley, like, no, there's, there's a reason why that they they want to, they're trying to build a style of play. Um, and that starts with who they draft and who they sign in free agency. And, you know, we're seeing now the evidence of what they want. And in those signings, we see now, like, no, they want a very switchable, you know, uh, a team that can play both ends of the court. Uh, no, no more, no, no more of these specialists uh, to come in and, oh man, he's great on offense or great at shooting threes or great in getting to the rim. But, you know, he's a revolving door on a defensive end and you've got to play chess, you know, with your own roster when it shouldn't be that way. You should have a bunch of guys on the roster that can contribute on both ends of the court. And that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard that about Garrett Temple and how he brings up that extra um, leadership role in the locker room. So, and I think that's very important, similar to like what Joe Kim Noah used to do 
for a young Bulls team like that, mm-hmm. uh, be that good, uh, strong locker room presence. But at the same time, I think between the signing, between the Garrett Temple signing, Noah Vonley signing, and drafting Patrick Williams, I think more than anything, this actually alleviates pressure off of Zach Levine to guard the best player every night. Um, mm-hmm. This allows Zach to just be the offensive uh, magnet that he can be. And, and you don't have to play Shaq, Shaq Harrison every time he needs to be this. That's true. That, yeah, that, that's really true. Shaq. Shaq was out there getting it. But, I mean, like, he, he couldn't play every night. Does the matchups wouldn't, you know, deem as much as, you know, as much as you want him out there for his defense uh, ability. I mean, you couldn't really do anything, you know, with him on the offensive end. I mean, that's just the cap on his game. And you don't want to go into every game trying to play matchups like you know it's a football game no you want the same consistent rotation of guys that can contribute on both ends of the court you don't have to worry as much and obviously you're going to have to you know adjust uh in game and their in-game adjustments but over the long haul of, a, of an 80 of a traditional 82 game season uh you want consistency you know in your lineup and not be so matchup dependent um you know up up until you know maybe the playoffs where things can get you know Things get different and weird, you know, in the playoffs with teams trying things out. But for the majority of, of, of the season, you should know who's going to be, you know, there, you know, night to night, health-wise and also rotation-wise. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to NBC Sports Chicago podcast producer, Tony Gill. Um, Tony, now we're going to transition to the actual roster itself that we currently have constructed, you know, this, this, I think this, there's a few players on this team that's really like a make it or break it year for them. Um, Larry Marketing is the is probably is obviously the number one. Um, he wants an extension. He wants it done quick, fast, in a hurry. Um, and our tourists showed the signs that yeah, we want him here long term. But at the same time, you know, he, he is coming off of off a bad year from last year. Um, talk talk about how maybe how Donovan Billy Donovan can really get back. Um, Laurie Rocket into the old Laurie that we know he can be um, and how that actually compares to maybe someone like Wendell Carter who took a drastic back as well, but also was injury prone. Um, that front court needs development as well. So talk about how Billy Donovan can help Laurie pretty much get that big check yeah. <laughs> at the end of the deal <laughs> and, and to stay in Chicago, you mm-hmm. know, with, with that, within that offense. Yeah. Um, when you're a top pick and presume, building block of a franchise being traded on your rookie deal or being or not being uh signed uh after after when you're a restricted free agent is not a good thing uh it doesn't feel good um especially when you've had the start that laurie has had um it's not it's not a, it's not a good feeling <laughs> um i mean just ask d'angelo russell like being or lonzo ball like being traded on your rookie deal after being a top 10 pick is, is not a good feeling so of course he wants to stay <laughs> you know nobody wants that you know on their record that they were traded on their rookie deal or not given you know the uh, or ask chris dunn like <laughs> like it's happened before you know on this roster and it obviously is going to happen more in the future you know with players but um of course Larry wants to stay i mean and he's shown signs you know, previously, obviously not this year, but uh, I, I remember that first game of last year where, I mean, the Bulls lost to 
uh, Charlotte in that opening night, but everybody was just lauding what Laurie was doing, being really aggressive, going to the rim. And then we never saw that Laurie ever again uh, the, for the remainder of last season. And that really scared some, you know, some people and some fans about, wait, what's the real Laurie? You know, was the year before a fluke? Uh, is this the real Laurie? Like it confused a lot of people. And obviously it was a mixture of things. You I mean, he was injured. Um, the coaching maybe uh, didn't really help him uh, to that degree to show off what he can do on a team. And I think Billy Donovan uh, can, in this new coaching staff, can really help him achieve the the things that, you know, we thought we saw early on in Laurie's career. Um, this You're right. This is a make it and break it year. Not so much for Wendell. Obviously, he's still got another year before he's up for uh, for an extension. And I think to this point, I think Wendell has shown what he can do, especially defensively. Um, we definitely want to see more from him on the offensive end, uh, which has been a key point for, for Billy Donovan. He's made mention of that, that he feels like Wendell can be just as versatile, you know, as Laurie Markkinen, you know, on the offensive end as well. So I'm very interested to see, you know, how he, you know, does that and makes that happen. But for Laurie Markkinen, this is, this is the year that he has to prove uh, that he can be consistent, that he can be healthy uh, throughout this. And obviously this is going to be a shortened uh, year, but um, you got to prove that. This, this is the year to do it, to see if, you know, if you're going to be a mainstay here in Chicago or you're just going to be another, you know, asset, you know, going down the road. Billy Donovan has, has made mention that Laurie can be versatile. He's going to be more versatile. Um, a thing that he did when he first got hired was talk to those guys and see, hey, where do you like the ball? Where do you like to play? Uh, I think that's going to help him to get more comfortable with uh, how Billy Donovan wants to play, which I think will benefit uh, Laurie Markkinen getting him going towards the rim, towards the basket. Uh, he's not just a spot-up shooter. And they may mention that they don't want him just to be a spot-up shooter. They want him to be put in different positions on the court uh, to be able to score the basketball and make plays. Um, that's the big thing. Like you, you look at, again, I'm going to always reference Denver and, and Philly because that's where this regime has came from. So especially Denver. So they got a big man in, in you know, in Jokic that, does all the things, you know, offensively for, you know, for his team. He operates out of pick and roll. He makes plays for his team. He's their point guard, essentially. Uh, and he can score a little bit. Like, I'm not saying Larry Markkinen is, you know, Nikola Jokic at all, but, uh, and I'm not making the white, white compar <laughs> comparison either, but I'm, I'm looking at, you know, his how Larry's built, the skill set that he's already shown in terms of putting the ball on the floor. Uh, if he can make plays, and be a more consistent score and stay healthy, uh, Laurie can be a, a major building block for this team going forward. And the best part about it uh, is Arturis isn't married to any of these players. Like if, if yeah, of course he wants Laurie to be the best that he can be and put him in the best position to see if he can, you know, be that guy that they think that he can be, but Arturis will get rid of him just as quickly too. And I think Bulls fans should be happy that they have that mindset. Like, if you're not going to be contributing on a high level here, we don't need you here. Uh, and I think everybody's been put on notice, you know, on this roster. Like, hey, this is, you know, a new sheriff is in, you know, in town. You're not just going to get handed, you know, anything. We're going to, they're going to put you in the best position to succeed. But, you know, if you're not performing in, in the ways that they think that you should perform, they're going to move accordingly. Um, so, and, and I think that should be appreciated from, uh, from every Bulls fan. Yeah. He's made it known that, you know, 
everyone, not no one's off the table. I mean, there's rumors. Uh, I don't know if he really took these trades, trade rumors seriously as far as answering the calls and, you know, actually showing an interest that we can maybe get rid of them. But, you know, Wendell Carter's mm-hmm. been in trade rumors. Zach Levine's have been in trade rumors. Um, you know, these these are star players that are on this Bulls roster that, you know, you think will be there long term. But Arturis is saying, like, you can be just as gone as I just pick up that phone. And I think that's going to give the extra motivation for those guys to really improve and really show and, and really, you know, make a statement this year. Kind of say, you know, hey, I want to be here and this is my worth. It's, it's my worth. And, you know, really fight for the roles that they want to play on this team. And, 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 and they have, there hasn't been in that type of environment since they got here. Right. Um, and I think that's going to be hugely different. And they've come out and said it all week. Like, it's, it feels different in here. Like, it, you know, than from previous uh, regimes uh, that, that have been there. You know, John John For- John Foreman, <laughs> John Paxson and Garl Foreman. Like, it feels different in the gym for them. And that's good. Everybody is on high alert. There's... I mean, nobody's scared of anything. I think everybody is ready to embrace uh, the challenge, but they're, everybody's on notice. Like, you got to come in hoop if you want to stay around here. Yeah, and one of those guys that I think that's got to come hoop is Chandler Hutchison, man. Like, Chandler, he's shown sparks of moments where, you know, where you see what the potential really could be. But at the same time, he's been, he's been hurt, can't stay healthy, can't shoot. You know, an mm-hmm. offensive game has been suspect. So it's like, I think he could fit maybe in Billy Donovan's office because of the fact that he may not have to be forced to shoot, per se. He can be more of a slasher role. Oklahoma City had a lot of those type of players. And um, Diallo, who was a slam dunk, uh, I think I want to say he was a slam dunk, slam dunk champion two years ago. Not last year, but two years ago. Uh, he plays that type of similar role. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's so he can fit in, but... The fact that we drafted him and we hyped him up to be the next Scottie Pippen, I mean, <laughs> right? Like, so it's like he got to come with it. I mean, so how much of a how much of a year? Even though even though he's like under contract for I think another couple more seasons, how much of an impact does that mean for him too? Like, this may be a year for him where he got to really step up too, especially if he's maybe trying to be that second, you know, rotation guy that comes in for Otto Porter Jr. in a role where maybe if Patrick Williams is not prepared to, you know, take the step in yet, at least at the three position around that perimeter, like he has to be that fill-in guy. So I think Chandler got to bring it too. Yeah. When they drafted your position, you have been put on notice officially that you weren't good enough that when they drafted Patrick Williams, all the forwards, you know, fours and fives, including Laurie Markman, um, were put on notice that your position didn't perform. We didn't think your position was performing adequately. Uh, and especially for, you know, Chandler, who a, a lower touted, you know, player uh, being drafted where he was, uh, more so for him, you know, like they drafted at your position. What are you going to do about it? Where, where are you going to come out here and, and improve? And like we mentioned before, uh, um, they're in the environment now where it's 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 battle for playing time it's battle for you know what you get to show off in front of the new coach in front of the new you know gm who has you know once your contract is up they're going to be the decision makers um and also do you want to contribute to a winning culture you know like they're gonna you know obviously injuries happen you know but 
you know, the best ability is availability. And that that's a huge thing coming into camp. It's a clean injury sheet. You know, nobody is hurt. Nobody's coming into camp hurt. They don't have to wait for anybody. They don't have to, you know, they can do what they're paid to do, which is pay, play basketball without any hindrances. They can get better. Uh, they don't have to rehab or anything like that. No, they can all work on their games um, and, you know, fight for their fight for their roles in, in, in this position. And um, not really for, you know, Otto Porter. Otto Porter's got to prove that he's worthy of another contract from another team because I don't think he's, you know, going to be returning as a bull. Uh, after this season, but for, you know, Laurie Markkinen, Patrick Williams, Chandler Hutch, Hutchinson, um, for those guys, yeah, they, they're going to have to come out and, and prove it. And I mean, he, it's just another, another one of those stories where he's got to come out and play. He's got to come out and prove it. Uh, even though he does have those couple seasons left, but we haven't seen much of him, you know, in, in a, in a consistent enough basis. And the flash that he did show was soon snuffed out due to injuries you know, here and there, Nick Max, you know, here and there that he couldn't really sustain uh, throughout a season. So we're going to see, we're going to see, enjoy the word. Let's wait and see stuff. If you're watching the bulls this year, like, I mean, if they make the playoffs great, but that shouldn't be your overall goal for this season. It's to see if they can stay healthy and to see what this roster looks like together and then after the season, you can analyze, okay, who needs to stay, who needs to go, and then you do all that later. But this, just enjoy watching what they're building now. So since we have to sit here and enjoy and watch what they're building, how well do you think they're going to do this season? What's your projections? Um, I think they missed the playoffs. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think they missed the playoffs. Um, you know, they're going to be in that, like, they're not going to be awful. Like if they're healthy. They're not going to be awful. They're not going to be as awful as they were last year. I think they're going to be a bit better uh, than they were last year. And I think it's going to be more visually appealing basketball that we're going to watch. It's going to be fun watching them, you know, on a lot of nights, uh, it's going to be rough on a lot of nights, <laughs> but I think, you know, more, more times than not, we're going to see some half decent basketball this year, which I'm very excited, you know, to see. Um, but yeah, I don't think they make the playoffs. I think um, there's still a lot of growing, you know, to, unless somebody takes a massive step, where it's like, oh, okay, you are in the all-star conversation legitimately. Like, I know people were trying to push Zach into that, you know, conversation, you know, last year. He had the numbers uh, to do it. But, um, I mean, if you're not pulling off, you know, Devin Booker numbers, like if you're losing on a consistent basis, you just it's just not going to happen, you know, for you. We saw, you know, Brad Beal get snuffed out because he, they weren't winning. Uh, he's a way better player, you know, than, you know, anybody that the Bulls have. Uh, so unless somebody has that type of season where it's like, okay, he's, is an all-star this year. I just don't see them making the playoffs this year. There's a lot of building that needs to be done. Um, but yeah, they're going to be a little bit better. Uh, I mean, with the shortened, you know, season, um, yeah, I can see them in that, you know, nine, 10 range, uh, of, of the East. Uh, but it's not going to look as awful as it's been the last few years. I mean that nine and ten range. They got that play-in tournament. I mean, yeah, be, that's true. They might they might be playing in, and we may mm-hmm. see, depending on how that goes. They might if they get that, you know, they might sneak in for maybe one consolation game before they get kicked out. Yeah, <laughs> but that you know that'll be that that would be kind of nice to see. And I'm actually intrigued to also see what 
Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook do in Washington because things go south there. You, you do know Bradley Beal and that Billy Donovan connection can be something. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I didn't expect none out of that trade. That was a, uh, <laughs> on the, in our group chat that, you know, I, I didn't feel no ways about that trade. Like it's, you know, a bunch of sideways deals. Well, I mean, it's fun because a lot of look names are being switched, you know, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't expect much out of that. That's, that's a first or second round exit for Washington anyway. <laughs> Everybody listening right now, you're listening to my guy, Blue Check Tone. Blue Check Tone. Um, talk about this project that you're doing with, uh, with telling other people's stories. Talk about that project that you're doing, man. Yeah, man. Um, you know, um, this year has been crazy. You know, 2020 has been a year that we're all going to remember, uh, going forward. And, um, it started when, you know, I wanted to do a podcast on myself, um, that I dropped, uh, on my birthday, November 9th, I turned 28 this year. So I just want to do a, a reflection podcast with, uh, you know, people in my life, new people in my life. Um, and just, it felt good to do that. Like to tell my story, to talk to, you know, my father and my siblings. Uh, and I'll always have that, you know, from my kids and, you know, nieces and nephews and stuff like, Hey, you want to know what, you know, I sounded like when I was 28, or do you want to know what my father was like, you know, when he was 50, like, that mattered to me as I was doing it. And I felt like a lot of people would like that feeling as well of having that keepsake that they can pass down uh, or they can keep for themselves uh, when people, you know, people pass on or, you know, just to remember times and moments, you know, in their lives and have these special conversations where it's not just in your head, you also have something tangible that you can have and feel and hear uh, for yourself for, for, for years to come. And so I started to, you know, I put it out there to, to people just, um, you know, starting kind of my own business, you know, in a sense that, you know, Hey, I, I have these skills, you know, of producing people and, you know, producing radio shows and, and stuff like that and podcasts. Uh, why not put that to, you know, good use on, you know, a personal level and provide that, you know, for other people that are interested in telling their stories. Uh, for example, I'm working with a couple that uh, has a two-year-old daughter that they adopted, and they want to tell that story about how that came to be uh, and for their daughter for years down the road and, you know, what came of that and give her a message, you know, that she can listen to and that she can keep from her parents, you know, when she was a baby, you know, and stuff like that. And like me telling meaningful, you know, stories. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm getting paid for it, <laughs> but uh, but the most fulfilling part is being able to help people tell these their personal intimate stories uh, for future generations and stuff like that. So that's what I'm providing. That's what I'm, um, you know, help, helping people with. Um, if they want to get at me, just email me, anthonygill56, that's gill with two L's, uh, 56 at gmail.com. Um, and then, I, you know, we can exchange ideas and stuff like that and we can you know possibly tell your story um you know that's well produced professionally with music and stuff like that uh to be able to basically tell an audible story uh that you want to that you want to say and that you want to give to you know either yourself or you know for your children or for anybody just and if you're just interested and you just want to just record you know your story or anything like that that i think that's that's always good to have and it's always good to you know keep around so that's that's what i'm doing now and uh um it's been 
you know, fun so far. So hopefully we can keep it going. Yeah, always doing good work, man. And I'm any way I can help support, you know, you already know I got you. Uh-oh. Yeah, just, just just mention me in you know in casual conversation to people. Yeah, <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> I don't know a dude for that. <laughs> I got you, bro. I got you. <laughs> Aside from that, though, I mean, we know you're a very busy guy. So, what you, what what you got coming up next for our audience to, to key in and pay attention to? Um, like I said uh, earlier in this uh, podcast, I'm working on you know an article about Kobe White and his importance. Uh, basically for the future of not only how we view him, but how we view this roster um, and how this, uh, how the new regime views this roster. Uh, They're giving him the keys to, you know, do things. And I want to give the audience a written uh, portion of that from the people around him uh, that seen him put in the work uh, that seen him work on, you know, his playmaking ability. And I just want to, you know, present that in a, in a written way. So that's coming out. Uh, pretty soon so uh, and you know just follow me on Twitter at the Tony Gill everywhere I just got my Twitter back so you know great for that <laughs> great for that um, but but yeah you know follow all our podcasts uh, Blackhawks talk Cubs talk White Sox talk Bulls talk and under center um, and just you know just follow up with NBC Sports Chicago man we're doing good things doing great things man so it's, it's a lot coming down the road yeah, you and the crew were always doing good things over at NBC Sports Chicago. And, you know, people like me always follow and listen. So keep up the good work with that. Um, I'll definitely be checking out that Kobe White article since this is you switching up your switching up your, your genres a little bit yeah, from, the, little from the producing to the writing to the pen. <laughs> yes, I'll be paying attention to that. Um, everybody listen, you can also pay attention to me on Twitter at jhicks042 and on Instagram at that guy Josh Hicks for the latest content in things sports and follow War Media on Twitter. Regal, at, I think it's at War Media on Twitter now, as well as Instagram, because we got a lot of good things coming your way as well. Tony, thank you, man, for coming to stopping by the show, talking all these bulls and storytelling projects that you're doing. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, but keep up the good work, man. Any Anytime, man. Thanks, Josh. No problem, bro. You you stay safe out here during the pandemic. Hopefully, we'll see you covering the Bulls this year. And uh, yeah, man, me too. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I hope so too. And um, we'll definitely keep in touch, bro. Okay. Yep. I'll see you later. All right, I'll see you, man.